Good evening and welcome once again to Newark United Pentecostal Church. Let's start with a word of prayer this evening. Dear Jesus, we've come before you again gathering electronically, but into your presence, O oh God. Lord, we pray for your blessings, your guidance. Open our understanding. Help us to hear with, with spiritual ears tonight. Be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this evening, instead of uh, telling you all about what you'll find on our website, let me start with something else. Let's pretend for a moment that uh, you have come to the United Newark United Pentecostal Church classroom. And when you walked in the door, and keep this in mind, because it'll, it'll come up later or something similar, uh, everybody was told, take out a, a, a pencil and paper, uh, put your name at the top, and write down the things that you will find on Newark United Pentecostal Church or Newark UP, uh, NUPC, Newark UPC website, the info website, under digital campus and all of the other things that are there. What can you find on that website that you hear told every service, one after the other? Now, how many of us can get everything right as to, and then, and don't forget about, yeah, write all those down. Well, the problem with, with all of that is that we hear it, and when we hear it again, we say, oh, I don't know why they keep repeating that. I already know it. But if we walked in fresh, and had to write it down as a script, if you will, for one of these broadcasts that you were going to introduce or close out. Do you remember what's there that needs to be said? Well, that kind of ties in a little bit with what I'm doing tonight and what I'm talking about. By the way, it is good to have you with us, and we hope that uh, the Spirit of the Lord blesses you so richly in what we're going to be talking about tonight. I will give you a title of Don't Lose the Message. Let's start in Judges chapter 6 and beginning with verse 11. I'm going to be for this using the New Living Translation. Now, <clears throat> a little bit of background here that this is a time in Israel, in the time of the judges, when they had fairly well conquered the land. They had settled in. They, uh, Joshua was gone, and, and uh, they were more or less just living day to day, if you will. But they had turned from worshiping the Lord, and in so doing, they had forfeited the blessing and protection of God. And the Midianites, Amalekites, and several other groups had 
invaded their land. And this was the seventh year of recurring invasions where these marauders would come in and, and they would harvest the crops. They would take the flocks and herds and sending the, the people scurrying to the mountains and to the hills and to the caves trying to hide. And uh, so they were almost on a, a starvation diet. And there was a, a young man. Well, let's read the story. Judges chapter six, verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree uh, at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon's son of Joash was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Now threshing usually took place at the top of a hill where the wind was blowing and could blow away the chaff. But now he is down in a valley in a wine press hiding so that instead of being skylined and easily spotted by the enemy, he's hidden away from them. And he's down there in hiding trying to get enough grain thrashed that the family can survive. Verse number 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And at that, I can almost see Gideon looking around to see who else is there. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where, here's the question, where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? That, didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Now, the problem is that he just had things a little, little bit 180 degrees backwards. They had abandoned the Lord. So the Midianites had come, and yet he turned it around in his own thinking, and I'm sure the thinking of many other people in the land, that the Lord had abandoned them. Uh, let me uh, give you something from the King James Version, Ecclesiastes 7 and 10, which uh, puts it this way, say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these, for thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. Much more succinctly from the New Living Translation, don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. See, the human mind processes the past as great and the present as grating and here, 11 months into the pandemic of, of COVID-19, we can understand a, a lot of how the past was great, but the present is just grating. So uh, <clears throat> if you realize it, most of the miracles that we have recorded in the Bible happened after the days of Gideon. In fact, it, just in his near future lay several amazing moves of God as he, he 
did wonderful things to deliver Israel from the Midianites. But all we know is the past. We can't see the future. But God did not abandon them. God was working now through this man to bring them where they ought to be or where they should never have left. Now, <clears throat> a lot of people talk about old-time Pentecost. When I came into the church, they were talking about old-time Pentecost. Uh, an interesting thing in, in my particular situation is that I was born in the same year that the United Pentecostal Church was formed. In fact, that makes me just a, a few months older than the organization of the United Pentecostal Church. I received the Holy Ghost and was baptized in Jesus' name when I was 18 years old. So that means that now, I, this coming July, I will have had the Holy Ghost for 58 years. Of those, I've been preaching 57 years. In fact, uh, this March will mark the, the 51st anniversary of my ordination. By the way, I was ordained by Brother Oliver F. Foss, who served the organization for many, many years. In fact, he was one of the men who worked out all of the details to bring the two groups that formed the United Pentecostal Church together. But with that many years behind me in, in the church, a lot of what I lived through, younger generations are now considering old time Pentecost, back when the spirit of the Lord really moved. Well, uh, it was much then like it is today. The uniform of the enemy changes, but the battle continues. There's always been a portion of the church that was sold out, a portion that was always looking for a way out. And there's usually a great muddle in the middle. And it's been that way from old time Pentecost till today. The thing is, we're human, we're broken. We've just got certain things to face. But we need to face them realizing that God's not abandoned us. God's still working with us. And that we need to work with him. Now, our, our view of the past is often skewed. We hear the stories. We hear the good stories. A lot of times the, the problems, well, they got solved one way or another, so we don't talk about them. I've got some books behind me, but, but uh, these books are written about the heroes and the sheroes that operate in the spotlight. It's, they're not even written about the ones that are laboring so faithfully in the shadows. And they're certainly not about the zeros who are looking for the easy way. And one of the things we need to do is to be careful to make sure that we convey the message 
some people say about what we do here, why are you teaching so much? Why do you keep going over and over and over these, these same things? Uh, let's, let's have something else. But, but you need to realize that, and I'll probably come to this again, but the church is one of the oldest educational institutions on the face of the earth. If you include God's people in the Old Testament, that gives us, since Moses, somewhere in the neighborhood of 3,500 years teaching the law of the Lord. And because it's been taught, God's word, God's ways are still known in this modern day. Now, uh, we've got to convey the message. We've got to keep it in, in people's minds because if uh, we don't, then those who follow will find themselves wandering without knowing that they have lost their way. They don't know anything different. To illustrate what I mean, let's, uh, let's take a look at a couple of the stories in the Bible. Uh, last Thursday, Sister Debbie Pierce brought us the story of, of King Josiah. During his reign, which followed the reign of his grandfather and father, who were wicked kings, Josiah ordered the repair of the temple. And during that time, they found a lost scroll of the law. Now, if you will allow me to use the term church for the temple, I might say it this way, that the word of God was lost in church. Just because it's physically there doesn't mean that it is being studied, that it is being read, that it is being understood. So we need to be careful that we just we don't just have a book that we don't just have preaching because there can be a lot of preaching that does not convey the word of God. And you know that around here, we're all about the word. The very record of their relationship of, the, of Israel and Judah's relationship with God had been misplaced. It had been lost to generations of people. No wonder things were in such a mess. It's possible to, to lose the very truth that is so necessary. We have a story in Acts chapter 19. Let's look at that for a moment. Verse number one in Acts 19 starts this way. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. He asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they replied. We, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, then what 
baptism did you experience? And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Notice they were sincere, but had insufficient knowledge. But when they did find out what they should do, they were quick to obey, but they had been wrong up to that point. Verse number six, we're here in the New Living Translation. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spake, spoke in other tongues and prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all. So here we've, we've got these men who have some of what they should know. A dozen of them and they're evidently doing something that caught the attention of the Apostle Paul. And so in dealing with them, they, he saw some things good, but he also began to pick up. We don't know if it was actions or if it was words or, or just a feeling in, in his own spirit, the Lord speaking to him about it, that, that something is awry here. Something is amiss. It, it just doesn't ring true. Got a problem. And so he began to ask them, have you received the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, as it says in the New Living Translation? And I can see almost the blank look in their eyes. Huh? What's this Holy Spirit you're talking about? We haven't heard this doctrine before. And so Paul immediately then went to their baptism. If, if one part's missing, there's a good chance that something else has been lost as well. And he said, well, how were you baptized? And their answer is we've already seen here was we're baptized into John's baptism. Oh, all right. But you see, John taught more than just baptism. John taught something else is coming. Somewhere along the line, and, and this had been probably at the most about 30 years from the time that John had begun his ministry there by the banks of the Jordan. 30 years. That's not a long time. But somewhere in that 30-year period, there were some people who had gotten John's message, and they had held on to the part of it about baptism. Probably, since it was John's message, they were also well conversant with and, and continuing to preach about repentance for baptism, preceding the baptism. But somehow, somewhere along the line, they lost the rest of the message. There is one coming. 
something else is going to happen. I'll baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me who will baptize you in the spirit. They lost it. Somewhere along the line, that teaching just disappeared. They weren't fighting it. They weren't opposed to it. They just didn't know it. That's why teaching is so important. Go over again and again. You see, in 1963, when I received the Holy Ghost, I knew at that point that I would no longer be welcome in the church where I had been attending. If I believed in speaking in tongues, I was not welcome. I, it wasn't because I was speaking in tongues in their service. It was because I even believed in it and had practiced it. They not only lost it, they didn't want it. These men in Acts 19 were of a different stripe than that. They had lost it somewhere along the line. Someone had lost it and didn't convey it to them. But when they heard it, they were wanted to obey everything that was there for them to do, to have. So here we find that uh, only 30 years. Now to some of the younger ones of you, 30 years may seem like a long time. But from where I sit, 30 years is not all that long in the grand scheme of things. And the thing is that once it was lost, all they could do is pass on what they had and they didn't have it all. Somebody had failed to teach it. They had part of the formula, but they didn't have the rest. Makes you wonder what all else they had lost. Makes you wonder about folks today who have lost something. What else have they lost besides something very obvious? Now, what if you could remember back into your school days? And do you remember your, I remember specifically my English classes that the first week or so, maybe even longer than that, when we started up a new school year, that we would come in and after a certain grade level, our first week or so would be, this is a noun. It's the name of a person, place, or thing. This is a verb. It is an action verb, or it is a state of being verb. Uh, this is a subject. This is a predicate. Then a little bit later, we would once again go over a preposition, a prepositional phrase, an object of the preposition. 
Somewhere along the line, we would review first, second, and third person. I, we, you, he, she, or it. Somewhere along that, and, and all of these things, and, and I, my classmates and I would sit there and I could, I could read it in, in them. I know all this stuff. Why do we have to go over this again and again? I had this the first couple of weeks last year. I'm gonna have it the first couple of weeks next year. What, why? Well, what if instead of doing that, we had walked into class and the teacher had said, Welcome to the class. Everybody take out a sheet of paper and put your name at the top. Now, I want to give you a list of words and I want you to write a definition of those words or tell me something about them. The first word is noun. The second word is verb. What is first person? What word is used or words are used for second person? How do you designate third person? And then just go through the list. What is a preposition? What is the object of a preposition? What is an adjective? What is an adverb? And give us that test before anything else was said in the class. I have a feeling that all of those or many of those students who sat there say, I know all this. I don't need to hear it again. Oh, it's a waste of time. I really doubt that there would be many that made a hundred on that test because we remember it when we hear it. When it's refreshed to us. In the intervening years, I have read many reports and papers on how much children lose in that three months or whatever of vacation in the summertime and, and the uh, plaints of teachers as they wrestle with trying to bring them back up to speed in their studies and in their, their understanding of the subject matter. And it's because they went a while without teaching. They went a while without hearing it. Oh, when they do hear it again, they, they think that it, it was already there, but if they had needed to apply it beforehand, before they heard it again, there might've been a lot of head scratching and eye squinting and twisting of the head to one side. Oh, what was that? I know it, I know it, I know it. What was that? And it's for that reason that they need to keep teaching teaching. I remember in one of my Bible college classes, we walked in, the instructor 
did just approximately what I've already described to you. He said, uh, everybody take out a sheet of paper, put your name at the top and number from one to four. Well, this can't be too hard. Uh, one to four, it's not very many questions. Well, he said, now <clears throat> what I want you to do is give me the four places in the book of Acts. I want you to give me the chapter where people were baptized in Jesus' name. That's one, two, three, four. On that same line, tell me who the preacher was in each of those instances. Then I want you to tell me where it was. And uh, let's see, there was, there was a fourth one, who was baptized? The place, the scripture, uh, who was the preacher and who was baptized. Now, we had uh, probably uh, over 100 young people in that class. Uh, we had one young man there who was fourth generation Pentecostal preacher. And then there I sat is on the other end of the scale. I had had the Holy Ghost a, a little over uh, two years, maybe. And when it was all turned in, there were two hundreds in the class. Now, these are things that in a, an apostolic church, everybody should know. But here were students who were there for the specific purpose of enhancing their knowledge, adding to their knowledge. And yet among that group, there was a lack of this basic fundamental information. We've got to be taught. So I'm going to do a little teaching right now in the last few moments of, of my being with you tonight. I'm going to teach about the plan of salvation just real quickly. First of all, you've got to believe. You've got to believe, not just believe, but believe God's word, what God told us, what he's declared. Then you need to repent of your sins, asking God to forgive you, not just asking, but turning from that sins. Repent means not only to be sorry, repent means to turn around and go in a different direction. Another step is that you need to be baptized by immersion in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission, the washing away, the full forgiveness of those sins. And then you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Just open yourself up to let God fill you with his spirit. He wants you to have this experience with him. Well, doesn't that just come automatically with baptism? Well, in every instance where some sign is recorded in the book of Acts, 
the early history of the church. When they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they spoke in a language that they did not know. It's called in King James Version, speaking in other tongues. It's a sign that God has chosen. I can't give you all the reasons, but God has chosen that that is the sign that he will use to declare that he has come to take up residence within you, to abide in you. And then you need to walk with him. You need to walk in righteousness and holiness. Oh, I know we're going to, uh, because of our brokenness, falter, fail. But when you fall down, get up, start again. Do what you can, and the Lord will help you, and you'll find that things that once threw you for a loop, now you can handle them and just keep walking right through them. So believe, repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, receive the Holy Ghost. You'll know that happens when you speak in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. And then walk in righteousness and in holiness before God, doing what he has told us to do. That includes all sorts of, of things like faithfulness, prayer, Bible study, whatever's available to assemble ourselves together. I know we can't come together in person, but we can come together electronically and in spirit. Don't lose the message. Don't get so frustrated that, that uh, what you're hearing over and over. You see, there are, there are people who need to hear it for the first time. Let me close with a little story that I heard. It was a circus elephant, you see, who was going all dressed up, painted up for the parade down the main street of another small town. He had heard it all before. He had done this innumerable times. He knew all about walking down the main street and he knew what he would hear. There would be those people who had been around a long time and they would say, oh, that's just another elephant. I've seen elephants before. Huh, the elephants. But he also knew that somewhere in the crowd, there would be a child and that child would be jumping up and down, clapping his hands with glee and yelling, here come the elephants, here come the elephants. Look, there are the elephants. Yes, you may have heard it thousands of times but don't lose your excitement. It's not elephants that we're talking about. It's the power of God. It's the, it's the creation of a new kind of life within people. You may have seen all sorts of things in church. You may be used to it. You may be, oh, that's another church service. But somewhere 
sitting in that congregation either together or electronically or some other way. There's somebody that inside them, there's something that's jumping up and down and saying, I want this. I need this. I'm so glad I found this. Here comes the elephant. So don't lose the message. Don't get tired of the message. Somebody is listening for the message you know so well. One of my favorite songs, in case you can't, have never heard it, is I love to tell the story. The chorus is, "Twill be my theme and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Don't lose the message and don't cause somebody else to lose the message. Hold on to it. Good night. God bless you. Find a place to pray. God can fill you with the Holy Ghost if you don't have it. Lord bless you. Good night.